If you have your Bibles, and I certainly hope you do, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to look to the Word of God together. This, this today is a very, very important subject. I'm just going to be candid with you, okay, because I'm, I'm an honest guy, um, open, I don't try to hide anything, and... Um, for some time, I have wanted to share uh, with us some teaching on the coming of the Lord along the lines that I'll share today. Uh, and I was thinking this last week or the week before. I was having this thought process in my mind that um, I've always been sensitive about how people feel. When you lose a loved one, sometimes it causes our emotions to be raw and just very tender. Amen. I've, I've been sensitive over the years when people would come to me after church and they would say, you sang that song today. It made me think about mama's funeral. I just got so sad. And I thought, well, my goodness, I didn't say it to them, but I thought, are we not, never supposed to sing blessed assurance again or amazing grace again? Because it was, it brought them memories of the, the funeral service for the one they love. And, and so I try to be sensitive to those things. And so with that in mind, I've tried to not um, address this particular subject at a time when there's been a recent death in our church. So I thought, well, we're going through the Bible. I come to First Thessalonians. I'm going to deal with that passage this week. And then the Lord called Nelda's mother home uh, this past Wednesday. And I decided we're just going to go ahead and talk about this because it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thought, the coming of the Lord. And there's some things about this that I'd like to say frequently in a, in a funeral setting. I would like to talk about this, but really don't have the time. Because usually we feel some time constraints there that I don't necessarily feel this morning. So we're going to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. And I'm going to read the text there. If you have your Bible, read along with me silently. And then we're going to talk about different uh, parts of this. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now what he's talking about there is being uh, deceased, dying, falling asleep in this passage. And in the New Testament, talk, when it talks about Christians being asleep, that is, they have died and their bodies have been laid to rest and they're asleep in Jesus. It's a, it's kind of a unique thing to Christianity. So it's talking about people who have died. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede or prevent those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. 
And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That is a passage of scripture that is read at the majority of funeral proceedings many times at the graveside as that passage is dealt with. I've used it many times. At the graveside, I will often share this story I'm about to share with you now. Incidentally, we who are Christians, we don't refer to um, a place of burial as a graveyard. We call it a cemetery. And the word cemetery is actually a Christian word. The word cemetery means a sleeping place. That's the definition of cemetery, a sleeping place. It's like what Paul was talking about in this passage. Those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, they're at rest there. A cemetery is a sleeping place. So there was a man that all of you have heard about. His name was Winston Churchill. He was an English statesman. And Winston Churchill had the forethought to plan for his own funeral proceedings. And Winston Churchill had determined that when he died, his services were to be held in the great cathedral there. And as the uh, service was ending and uh, proceedings were about to take place to lay his body to rest, he ordered that something be done that is very common to us today. And that is the playing of taps. When a person who, uh, if the deceased is a military person, a veteran, a lot of times we will hear taps played at a graveside. So Winston Churchill said, when I die, I want taps played uh, as I'm being laid to rest in the cathedral there. But then after taps is played, he said, I want on the other side of the cathedral, I want another trumpeter to begin to play Reveille after taps is played. Now, he was being very thoughtful when he did that. I don't mean thoughtful in the sense of being kind. He put a lot of thought into that. Because taps, as you know, is a tune that is played uh, at the graveside many times, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da. How many have heard it? So you know what I'm talking about. They're playing taps there. It's the, it's the signal for the end of the day. So you play that at the graveside of someone who has passed. But after that was over, and possibly everyone would think, okay, it's over now. All of a sudden, this trumpet on the other side of the cathedral begins to blare out Reveille. How many know that tune? That's the getting up song in the military. So what he's saying is, don't walk out of this cathedral thinking the day is over and it's all done. He wanted to remind the people that there was going to be a getting up time 
to come a little later. Now, that's exactly what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there's a time when we are laid to rest. But it also says there's a time when we'll be getting up. When the trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise. So we we have both aspects in what Churchill said and did there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll flip over there right quick and read this passage to you. To kind of cement this in our minds. Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is what he's saying. All of us are not going to die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we who are still alive shall be changed. In other words, the trumpet's going to sound. Those who are asleep in Jesus are going to come forth out of the graves. We call that the resurrection. And those who are still alive at that point in time are not going to die. They'll just be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I'm not going to ask you which way you prefer. I got a feeling I know the preference of most. I don't know myself. I haven't made up my mind as if it makes any difference so that I've got a choice. I'd kind of like to be alive and be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Wouldn't that be cool? But I think it'd almost be cooler to be in the ground, asleep. The body's been there for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, 500 years. And that trumpet sound, and then come up out of that grave alive. Now that is really cool, right? That's what he's going to do one day on that resurrection day when the trumpet sounds. It's going to be a, well, there is no word for that. I, I don't know what word I could use that would do that miracle justice, the resurrection and what's going to happen at that time. A wonderful thing that we're talking about today in First Thessalonians. It's amazing the attitudes that we have developed in America about death and how they've changed. I can remember when I was a little boy and it wasn't all that long ago that we would teach our children this prayer. And if you know it, say it with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many of you were taught that when you were little? You know what? That The type of um, mentality on the part of parents now to teach their children that has just about disappeared. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to make them think about it. We don't want them anywhere around where there's any dying or death. We don't want to upset them. And now we don't carry our children to the funerals and we don't carry our children to the hospitals. And we've raised up generations now who don't like either place. Failing to understand that when we were younger and a little bit before my time, people were actually laid to rest, didn't go to the funeral home for visitation. You went to the house. People were laid to rest in their own homes 
with the children there and everybody there. And, you know, people learned to deal with death and reality during those days. Amen. Whereas now we shield them. We keep them away. We don't want to see, we don't want them to see sick people. We don't want to see them see rest homes. We don't want to let them see funerals. We keep them away from all those things. And now we're growing up in a culture and a society with a very unhealthy understanding about what death is. Death is just as natural as birth is. And the Bible teaches us that we, as Christians, we have a wonderful future lying in front of us, those of us who are Christians. Well, Paul says to this audience to whom he is writing there, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be in the dark. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand what's going on here, he says. And it would seem that in the church in those days, there were some people who were becoming greatly confused about the death, about death and the rapture. Some were afraid that, that these people who had recently died, I say recently in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, these people are going to miss all that God's going to do when he comes and catches us away. And Paul says they're not going to miss a thing. They're going to be raised up. They're going to experience resurrection. You don't have to worry about them. They're going to get their reward in a very special way, and you're going to get yours in a very special way if you're still living. All of us are going to be rewarded and given eternal life and experience um, what we would call a glorified body. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How many have ever heard that verse? I'd like to read this to you, beginning in chapter 5, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians, just trying to lay a foundation here. The sermon is actually very short, but the the, the introduction's a little long. Chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, For we know that if our earthly house... And he says something really amazing. He says, For we know that if our earthly house... And he's talking about our bodies. We know if this earthly house... And then he says, this tent. We know if this earthly house, this body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a tent and over a period of time the tent rotted and tore? Or slept in a tent that was leaking? Oh, yes. What a joy. And and the tents have a tendency to decay and tear apart and rot and get holes in them and they're not any good anymore. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to teach us here about the body. That's the way the body is. The body begins to get old. It begins to wear out. It begins to, well, it just begins to, some people say, fall apart. I hadn't got quite that far yet. But you got the idea there. In verse 2, Paul says, for in this we groan. Could somebody groan for me? Oh, y'all have had some experience. (laughs) For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. 
We know this tent is, is not all there is. We know there's something else better for us than what we have here. Listen, these bodies that have cancer and these bodies that have all kinds of ailments and sicknesses and diseases and pain and they break down. We know there's something better than this. Amen. The Lord has something better for us than this tent, this body that we live in. And so he says, we groan for that, that, that he has for us. Verse four, for we who are in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but but better clothed, further clothed, a better body, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. And he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. This is God's doing. Who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now here's the verses I really wanted to read. So we are always confident, knowing... That while we are at home in the body, everybody who's at home in the body today, would you raise your hand? In case you don't know, that's all of you. I don't think we have anybody in here deceased today. For we know that while we are at home in the body, we are what from the Lord? Absent from the Lord. While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8 says, we are confident then, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see what he's saying? As long as we're in this tent, we can't be with the Lord. But if we're going to be with the Lord... We're going to lay this tent down. And so we continue. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Now, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, to our text. And I want to, I'll probably come back to this a little bit more. In Philippians chapter 1, let me, let me share a couple more with you before we actually get back there. Philippians chapter 1 is another one that, that tells us about Paul's attitude and his interest in this, in this subject. Philippians 1 beginning in verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. Whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is what? Gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. I'll do the work of God as long as I'm here. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Did anybody see that part? Far better? He says it's far better to be with Christ, to lay this body down and be with Christ. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Wow. I'm going to read one final scripture before I talk to you a little bit. 
In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I want to read verses 6 and 7. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6 and 7. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. In other words, everything breaks, right? Everything breaks sooner or later. Remember your Creator before you begin to break. Verse 7 says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. How many believe that? Many times, you probably have gone to a cemetery and stood there as a pastor read these scriptures that I've shared with you and began to talk along the lines that we're talking about today. Wow, that's a long ways up. <laughs> um, I would like for this white balloon to represent the spirit that's within man. Could everybody say spirit? Okay, we know this is a white balloon, but today it's representing the spirit that's within me. Last Wednesday morning, Nelda's mother took her last breath. By the way, I wish you could have been there. Don't you, Nelda? Nelda and her, her sisters and brother were there and myself and, um, Faye's husband came in a little later, but we gathered around that bed and we had prayer, joined hands together, um, even made the circle complete with Nelda's mother there. And we prayed. And I, I don't think there was a single one of them crying any tears of sadness. We were all praising God for what had just occurred in that room. Watch this now. Because... Nelda's mother lie there in that bed. Nothing there but a shell. Right? I want you to watch what happened to her spirit as soon as she left this world. Where did it go? Went to be with the Lord, didn't it? Is that not an amazing thing? Now, the, the spirit is the real part of us, in case you don't know. Because like this body here, this body is going to, it's just a tent. It wears out, right? I'm going to lay it down one day. But the real Ron Brisson is going to live on. And I could call your name. You're going to lay your body down one day. But the real you is going to live forever somewhere. Amen? So I'd like for us to think about this for just a moment. And I'm going to call the names of some people, and I don't want you to be offended if I leave somebody out that you would like for me to have called their name. But I'd like for us just to consider this for a few moments. I, I, I can remember standing here. Uh, how many of you remember Marie Rose? She was a lady that loved the Lord with all of her heart. One day she breathed her last breath, and the next thing you know... She's going up, right? And then on another occasion, we stood here. 
I remember Bill and Mildred Young. Both of them loved the Lord. Preached both of their services. And just as I was with, I was with both of them when they died, come to think of it. I never saw that spirit go up, but I know it did when they took that last breath. And then there I stood looking over shell, but their spirit had gone to be with the Lord. Amen. Francis, I remember being in your mom and dad's house, standing beside the bed of your daddy. And we prayed the Lord's prayer standing beside Henry out loud. And when we got to the valley of the shadow of death, he took his last breath and went to be with Jesus. I never saw it, but I know his spirit went up just like that to be with the Lord. Because we had prayed with him and he made sure everything was right with the Lord. Amen. Somebody give me a loved one of yours. You know, you would, they were saved. Who? Jerry. Your daddy? It's just not been long ago, was it, Sherry? Three weeks. Jenny? Pa? All of you could name several, couldn't you? People that you've loved. Now listen, these, these people are not, these people are not non-existent. If they were with the Lord, they knew the Lord, they're with the Lord today. Right? And when they went to be with the Lord, it was just like this. And they're just as alive. Well, I take that back. They're more alive now than they've ever been before. Are you with me? And the Bible says that one day Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to make a circle around this earth. Am I right? We call that the rapture. And the trumpet's going to sound. And the Bible talks about the Lord is going to bring with him. Is that what it said? Didn't it say that in our text? The Lord's going to bring with him. So one of these days, you're going to look up in the eastern sky. That's what the Bible talks about. And one of these days, Jesus is going to be, be coming around. And the next thing you know, here comes Jesus. And you know what's going to be following him? Following him along. And, and somewhere before you get down to the ground, the graves are going to burst open. And I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm a Bible believer, folks. Somehow those, those graves are going to burst open and these bodies are going to be rejoined to the Spirit. And the next thing you know, they're all going to be raptured away to be with the Lord forevermore. That's what the Bible teaches. This is not a fairy tale. This is something that is real. Listen, if your grandma or your grandpa or some loved one, maybe it's a spouse, husband or wife or whatever. If they've gone on to be with the Lord and you want to see them one day, you better live right. And if you will, you will see them again. Because when Jesus comes back, what we read in the Bible is not a fairy tale, my friends. It's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. And we're going to lay these bodies down. All of us will, unless we're alive when this happened. And then we'll be transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? This is, this is real stuff. 
that we're talking about. This is real stuff we believe in our church. It's real stuff what God wants to do in our lives. So I want to read that again. And I want you to think about that. How that the Lord's going to bring all of those with him. The Bible says back in 1 Thessalonians again. Oh my goodness. I just want to read the whole thing again. Then we're going to close. Okay. The Bible says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Don't be unaware of this concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Do you know how we could have such a wonderful revival-like prayer in that room on Wednesday morning? Everybody there was was saved by the blood of the Lamb. And they knew Mama was saved by the blood of the Lamb. And we were just as... It was, it was unbelievable. I've experienced it many times with Christian families, but I'm going to tell you, when you're with a Christian family and mom or daddy or whoever goes to be with the Lord and you're there, it's amazing. It's amazing. There may be a tear or two, but people are so thankful when they realize that my mama, my daddy, my sister, my brother, my husband, my wife is now in the presence of the Lord. This is real stuff. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. If you're ignorant about this and don't understand it, if you don't believe this, and I think this is really why I wanted to use this simple little illustration, because I don't think you'll ever forget that. And we need to understand that this is so real. This is not a fairy tale. If we don't believe this, we're going to sorrow like people who have no hope. But the Bible says, if we understand this, we won't sorrow as others who don't understand it. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we won't precede them or prevent them who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another. With these words. And then a few more verses down in chapter 5. It says again. Therefore comfort each other. And edify one another. Just as you are also doing. I can remember. When I was a young Christian. We used to sing a whole lot of songs. About the coming of the Lord. A lot of them. Jesus is coming soon. Remember that one? Jesus is coming soon. On and on and on we could go with songs. There's going to be a meeting in the air. We sang a bunch of them yesterday at the service. A whole medley of Jesus is coming songs. He's coming. He's coming. And I would like for you today, no matter what you're going through and how difficult life might be for you right now, You might even feel like Eddie did over here a while ago and have some feelings there that aren't right. I'll tell you what, we need to make sure every moment of every day we're walking in accordance with the word of God and the will of God. Need to make sure our hearts are right. Amen. Because 
Well, here's another song that just comes to mind. I'll meet you in the rapture. Going to be a lot of people meeting a lot of people that they wanted to see for a long, long time when the rapture takes place. And you see those people coming and those graves burst open. Wow. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to sing here.
today, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you would like to pray and ask him into your heart before we dismiss and we walk out of here, would you be man enough or woman enough just to lift your hand and say, I want to be saved, Pastor, before I leave today? Anybody want to do that? We wouldn't dare want to just turn around and walk out and somebody said, boy, I sure wish you'd give me a chance to come to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, one of these days, graves are going to burst open. One of these days, there may be somebody in this building right now that's going to be alive at your coming. Maybe all of us, I don't know. It's going to be a wonderful way to go either way. We want to thank you for salvation today, full and free. To know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a privilege it is to be a Christian and how thankful we are for it. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Keep your people safe today. Minister to those who are sick, we ask. Bring us back to the next appointed time, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.